This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. We are recording, and we will dive right into it, my friend. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jim Adams, and we're going to discuss how he creates tactical numbers for entrepreneurs and business owners. Before we begin, I'll remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a content creator, podcaster, YouTuber, or somebody that wants to create marketing content that delivers, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you create that tactical content, help you discover, embrace, and share your voice. And again, that's nightly.productions to learn more. Jim, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Zach. How are you doing today? Man, I am I am phenomenal. I am super excited to talk about everything you've been able to build because you have just a phenomenal background and, and you came to me in an interesting way. We're going to talk a lot about your journey as a whole. And, and I'm just really blessed to have you here. So welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, it's great to be here. So to give the audience just a little bit about you, you have this very interesting journey and you have an interesting perspective that we're going to have to break apart, of course. But overall, you grew your brick and mortar business, American landscape structures from one to five million in sales during the pandemic all while winning back your time and freedom as an entrepreneur, you essentially believe there are four types of business owners. And this is the fascinating piece of your mindset towards this, where the first one's a gunslinger, the second one's a mechanic, the third one's a goalie, and the fourth one is a unicorn. So we're going to definitely chop that piece up. And as a whole, you really are focused on helping people understand their numbers, create the tactical content, the tactical numbers for entrepreneurs to truly understand. And you've helped hundreds of small and family-owned businesses around the U.S. and Canada transform the businesses they've created into the ones that truly are a joy to own, which is huge in the entrepreneurship space. So I'm excited to break that apart. Before we dive into your business and Jim Adams Consulting, Jim, tell us, what's a fun fact that we might not know about you? Yes, sir. Fun fact. Late May, with a friend of mine, I went to a Virginia International Raceway and did Skip Barber Racing School's three-day program. And then since then, I've done three track days where you actually get out on track with an instructor, just going as hard and fast as you can, which is super thrilling. And I got more coming. I'm doing the advanced course in a couple of weeks, the advanced racing course in a couple of weeks, and more track days and eventually racing. I love it. And we definitely bonded over that right before we started recording. I used to be a track guy. I used to have the imports. I was a Nissan guy and love breaking them apart because you can learn so much about yourself on the track, how things mm-hmm. operate. And the fun part for me was tearing a car apart and rebuilding it. So I was able to learn how it worked. And it was mm-hmm. my piece of that puzzle. So why is it that you're interested in that? What brought you into the track day world, Road Atlanta, things that you're doing here close to home where you're bringing it to the track? What drove you to be interested in that? Well, I think it was really two major things. One is, you know, my dad left when I was like five. And when we got together, like one of our favorite things to do together, just he and I, was to go to, it was Freeport Speedway in Long Island and like Wednesday and Saturday nights in the summertime, you know, we'd be going there. We knew all the driver's names. And so... You know, I mean, I fantasize about like even just being in one of the bombers, you know, it's a six cylinder with street bald street tires, you know, banging in each other. Like just to do that would be 
you know, an absolute blast. And so I started, you know, I went from being like total grind mode, doing everything myself to, you know, finally getting a team together and having the time and money to do some things that I really wanted to do. And I don't remember how I stumbled across it, probably on Facebook, you know, where there's just skip our racing schools. So I said, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll sign up. It's like six grand for three days. And, and so me and a friend of mine went to Virginia International Raceway and, um, you know, I made it through that without running in anything. Only got a couple wheels off the track once and, you know, stayed on the track the whole time, just as hard and fast as I could go. So. Yeah, it's a blast. Back in my policing days, I had all sorts of training where I got the offer of recovery, the skid track. I have so much emergency vehicle maneuvering that I turned that into my track days where it's like, this is an mm-hmm. adrenaline rush. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And what's interesting and the way I kind of correlate it to business these days, there's a, an adrenaline rush attached to mm-hmm. business ownership, consulting, mm-hmm. helping people exceed. Have you seen a transition from that passion into how you help business owners? Oh, man, I can't believe you asked me that. <laughs> yeah, so like my mind was just going nuts after my first track day with an instructor set next to me. That was just like a couple of weeks ago. And so there's like three things I learned that first day that also apply to racing, but they really apply a lot to life. And you know, just think about it, you know, guys, I got a nephew that's in, in Green Berets, you know, I read a lot of Navy SEAL stuff, you know, some of the great sports car drivers, Jimmy Johnson, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, the last two names, those are Formula One. You know, these guys are going like wide open. Well, they've got to train themselves to be calm. Like you listen to them on the radio and I mean, they get upset once in a while about usually about their opponent, but like, they're just like calm as Hindu cows, just, (laughs) you know, going from 220 to 40 to 220 again, in three seconds. So yeah. So breathing, like it's breathing and then looking up, like widening your vision. Like if you calm down, your vision widens up, which is very, very important in racing. And then new racers, like every single one of us, right. They grip the steering wheel, like they're swinging an ax, right. And you can't do that. You got to learn to loosen up and kind of change your mindset. Like that real grind, drive, hustle kind of thing, like serves you so well, but then until it doesn't anymore, right? You've probably been there. Yeah, it's actually fascinating. After I got out of that world, I actually joined the military and deployed to the Green Berets back in 2019. Oh, wow. It's an interesting correlation that you just made where there's a lot that you can learn about stress management how mm-hmm. you take that energy into a focal point. Mm-hmm. And I imagine a lot of what you've done over the years, I mean, you've started several businesses and you're now hoping or helping people do the same with their business. What was that first business? What was that first leadership role for you? Did it start in your own business? Were you a leader prior to business? How did you get started on helping others and being a guide for them? Yeah. So my first leadership role, I was a little complicated. I was a nuclear sport team leader in Korea. So we would hook up with Korean artillery batteries and pretend to lob nuclear weapons into the DMZ. And so I did that. I did that for a year. And so that was, you know, that was really a challenge being, you know, my dad was an NCO in the Marine Corps and then being a young officer and like, you know, you look up to these guys, you know, it's like, these guys are like my dad, you know, and then now I'm responsible for, you know, I have to gain their respect and actually lead these guys because like they, you know, you know how enlisted people and NCOs look at officers. It's kind of like, you know, is this, you know, what's going on with this guy? They kind of they hated they us. Check they hated us. And I, I was older when I went into the officer oh, side of stuff. I went through OCS. 
And so, so you were in the Green Berets as an officer? That's where I deployed. So I was a different, but I had the E4s, the E5s, E6s. I just went with a different mindset. I was SWAT prior. So I had that door kicker mentality, but had mm-hmm. the authority and fun side of stuff on the officer work and make decisions like that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird dynamic that you're bringing up where it's like different people don't yeah. understand that piece of it, right? Yeah, and learning learning how to lead from from positions that like people think army officers have authority and it's really not authority is like really really overrated like now as a business owner like i have total authority like if i don't like you could be gone like if i'm in a bad mood you could be gone not that i've actually done that but it's possible right like you could just be gone i've got complete authority but that does not like you know that just doesn't work not if you want to really have a an effective team that's got your back that's not like bugging you crap bugging the crap out of you want you to make all their decisions for them if you want people to you know, make good decisions like they own the business, then yeah, that positional authority thing just, I mean, not only does it not work, it's actually counterproductive. And that's what's so fascinating about from our different perspectives in the leadership world. You were the artillery side, you did some amazing things across as the infantry side years later, but intrinsically there are values that we learn in the military that would then apply to business ownership and then coaching and consulting, what would be that like one characteristic you look for where you're like, man, I love this about this person and you need to like double down on this. This is a strength. You might not recognize it. Maybe you do recognize it. What's that one characteristic that you love about a leader? So I'll have to say the first thing that comes to mind is curiosity. And so as people, especially as we're maturing, there's a tendency to kind of jump to conclusions really quickly. And so, you know, as a young officer, you can get in a lot of trouble really quickly. Like if you're trying to, there are times that you have to make a decision and and expect people to, to respond and, you know, you make a wrong move and you lose respect. And so right then and there, I learned you have to be decisive and you also have to suspend judgment when you need to keep taking in information. And so I've seen my team grow now in that situation, you know, in that vein where, you know, early on in a relationship, there was more frustration and tension. And now everybody's just in the flow. It's like we, you know, it's like a fire team. It's like we all know each other's moods and what we're going to do. And it's just very organic and natural and just flows together really well. But then when you have like that judgment where, you know, you just feel like you have to just make a decision now or you, you think that like, you know, what's really going on, where if you like take a breath and just observe for a little bit longer, then the picture starts to really start taking shape in a different way. Yeah, it's interesting. And a lot of my current coaching brand, I'm really focused on the like operation side of the world. And mm-hmm. uh, I've taken so many military lessons, you know, from the battlefield mm-hmm. to the boardroom type conversations. And one of those is what you're just talking about. Stop, look, and listen. We call it SEALs. You stop, you look, you listen, you take a tactical mm-hmm. pause before you take action. When somebody takes action, how do you coach them into that action? Is it something where, hey, let's test this and then we can pivot? Do you tell them cannonball straight in? How do you coach them into taking the action they need to to succeed? So what I find is that people are oftentimes in my world, like if they're ever even going to get on my team, they have a tendency to actually be the opposite. Like they have a tendency to move too quick. We have a very fast-paced environment here at American Landscape Structures. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot to learn. And so as people develop and they they get the product and application knowledge down, then it's really more a matter of slowing slowing things down, slowing down the sales conversation, being more present, being more observant, being more curious. And I find when you, it kind of goes back to racing, 
like to be fast, you have to slow as fast, smooth as fast. You, know, you get too hard on that gas out of the corner. And all of a sudden, well, one, you, it slows you down and, you know, you could get into trouble where coming to that corner, if you're nice and smooth, you might lose a fraction of a second here and there where you could have been more aggressive, but a lot less time than if you hit the gas too fast and too hard. And so the same thing is true in business. If you can take a pause, take a breath, be curious, be more present. I mean, I got to tell you, like a friend of mine, I was in a mastermind one time and he brought up this really interesting question. And I'm just going to tell you, like, I had no idea what he was talking about. The question was at the beginning of the mastermind is that, you know, he asked everybody, he did this like two or three meetings in a row. He said, what do you need to share to be fully present during our time together today? And like, I know the English language, like I, (laughs) you know, I understood the words, but like that second part to be present, like I had no idea what that meant. But when I started applying it to my interactions with my employees, and occasional sales conversations, because I don't have that many sales conversations anymore in the structures business. It just like, I don't know, just opened up a whole new, just a whole new world. People started responding to me completely differently. Is that what drove you toward shifting that into helping other people? I mean, we already have as, as military and veterans, we already have that mindset. We want to serve, right? Mm-hmm. And service leadership, service mentality is great to an extent, but at the end of the day, it could also leverage toward the toxic side if you're just serving and never refilling yourself. Mm-hmm. So what is it that shifted that for you where you wanted to continue that service after the military into helping small business owners? Yeah. So I think what I found is that I really was hardwired and it's like a two-sided coin. I really was hardwired to, you know, look out for other people and have their backs and be very, very protective. The problem with that is that as you get exposed to more employees, more people, more customers, and anytime something goes wrong, like this is no exaggeration. If somebody, if something went wrong, and especially if I may, you know, if I cause somebody a problem or cause them pain or inconvenience, I will feel horrible. Like I will feel really bad. Like that will burn you out. And so to be able to maintain maintain that protection and that care, but then still make space for yourself. And I don't know, it's been, that's been a journey. Like within the last year, I've been able to temper that. And then also I've been able to sense that in my team, you know, like one of the biggest problems I think in today's culture is that people think like there's one right answer. And, you know, with our education system, not to get off on this tangent, but just that there's a real big problem with being wrong. And so people don't take chances. And so, yeah, that's really, I've really seen a, a evolution in the last 12 months, not just me, but also, also into the people on my team. I 100% agree with you. And it turns into, you know, people lack the vulnerability. They don't want to be seen, right? They don't want to be seen as a failure or be judged in a capacity. And entrepreneurs, business owners, like we struggle with that consistently, but it's no different than transitioning out of the military, you know, or corporate, the police world for me, you know, it's one of those, as you transition and you lose that uniform, all of a sudden you have to be yourself or you should be yourself, but you identified mm-hmm. as the officer, mm-hmm. as that piece mm-hmm. of things. Was there a resource you found that was like life-changing mindset shifting for you? Was it a coach that gave you a lesson, a book, a podcast? What was it that shifted that where you were really doubling down in that arena? Well, I think the first step for me was it was about three years ago. When I started my business, I pretty much shut down personal growth. I was exhausted. Like 
you know, at one point in time, like I'd read in the evening. Well, I'd try to read and just fall asleep, right? And also after grinding away till seven o'clock at night, like the last thing I want to do is think about business. I want to numb out. I want to get away. And so, you know, reading a, a self-help book or something like that, you know, or a business book, like that was the last thing I wanted to do. So about three years ago, you know, I came to this awareness, you know, this thing called being the smartest guy in the room. Like I would become so isolated and, uh, and thought I was pretty amazing. Like if you weren't quite sure, you know, just ask me, I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, and then I was like, oh yeah. And so what I did is I just started branching out more and I joined a mastermind group and started building. And another thing that happened as a result of that is I built out a national level professional network. So not only am I masterminding with people, you know, where we're running ideas by each other about our businesses. But also, if I need a service provider, like if I need a graphic designer, if I need a copy, you know, I've got first rate national grade copywriters, like right there. Like if you go to my website, AmericanLandscapeStructures.com, you know, one of my websites and look up the pavilion catalog. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't do that graphic design. I didn't do that copy. I hired like top national level people to do that. Same thing with my, you know, SEL web development. Like I've got, you know, I fumbled around kind of doing a lot of that DIY myself for years. So I got like top, top level people. Now also to get there, I had to work with and fire about 20 different consultants too. Like, you know, I had to try a lot of different people, but uh, anyway, over the last three years, I've just worked with smarter and smarter and brighter and brighter people with their own, you know, zone of genius and superpowers. And then I've, you know, our business has elevated as a result of that. It's such a funny thing that entrepreneurs go through looking back, you know, these days I own a production company. I have those people on staff, the graphic designers, the branding people, the smart people, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I I launched my first company as a security firm and we got our logo off of Fiverr. All you could afford, 60 Mm -hmm. bucks, you get a logo, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then I went on... You know, and I think it's a great point to realize for a lot of people, we've all been in that point. And I got the logo. I went to GoDaddy, built my own website. My logo Mm -hmm. was blue and silver. My -hmm. website that I designed myself was black and gold, like a Steelers fan page. Mm -hmm. Zero brand alignment, looked like garbage, had nothing to do with each other. It stood out. But I think the interesting point here is no matter your level of success, remembering like, where did we start? I started doing my own Mm -hmm. website, black Mm -hmm. and gold, totally out of alignment. But it sounds like you were in that same space. We've all started in like Mm -hmm. the grassroots effort of like, let's bootstrap something and rock and roll, but it's not necessarily an easy journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think like looking back, like one of the things I benefited from most was plagiarism. Like the whole idea for my business is something, you know, that I saw, you know, that I figured out and pivoted, you know, 10, 20 degrees and made it my own. And so the same thing's true with branding. Like, you know, one of the logos that I came up with for Jim Adams Consulting, you know, I told him I like Chase Banks colors, right? So if you look at my, my colors, you know, it, it might not be like the exact Pantone, but, you know, I saw something that I liked and 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 I copied it. And so that's like, that's been a, a big part of the journey. And yeah, when you start off, you know, you can't, you know, you don't have six grand to hire a copywriter, right? You got to kind of figure out some of that stuff on your own. But then like, that's one of the great things about being being a numbers guy is being able to to justify some of those investments. Like they don't all work out, right? They're not, you know, not a hundred percent, but you increase your odds and take some of the emotion out, you know, knowing your numbers. And so, yeah, being able to hire those people and being able to be around and work with just better and better people over time has been been a really big deal. Yeah. I love that because that's something you just up level and have to learn. 
there are seasons in your business as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, like you have to continue to grow and you'll grow out of a season, you'll grow out of a marketing firm. Maybe you have to shift a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's really an interesting journey attached to that. And now you're helping people work through that. And as a coach and a consultant, I imagine there's a shortcut you provide people, right? You learn from your lessons, you learn from the hard patches, and you're helping them take that shortcut where they don't have to necessarily learn the hard lesson the way you learned it. But I, I'm curious, as you've done all this, what's the legacy you want to leave in the world by putting this forward and, and paying it forward, helping people grow to that level that you've grown to? Yeah. So I would say making it so that business ownership is just not so damn hard. I mean, there's just a lot of things, you know, people, you know, being exposed to as many businesses, you know, I've learned a lot of really good things, but I've also seen some things to avoid. Now that didn't stop me from like making the same mistakes. I mean, I still made a lot of the same mistakes. I've made horrible investments before. Like I got, believe me, I've got stories, but yeah, you know, you can't read a business magazine without seeing the business failure rate, you know, it's like 80%. And so that doesn't, it doesn't need to be that way. And then also like for the other, you know, for the 20% of people that do make it, it just doesn't have to be so damn hard. It really doesn't. It can be a lot easier. I mean, just like off the top of my head, like one, one concept, if you, I don't know if you've heard of the theory of constraints, a lot of, a lot of people have, a lot of people have it. You know, it came out in the 80s, but like to get that down, you got to read like four freaking books. I mean, there's a lot, you know, you don't just like, you know, listen to a podcast and have it down, you know, there's a lot to it. And so, you know, I understand that organically and I'm able to simplify it for people as far as like, like, what's the subsection of this that you need to, that applies to you? Like I've got, I was just having a conversation with a, uh, a friend and client of mine. His name's Travis. He runs a shed company. And like, he doesn't even, he's never even been exposed to traditional cost accounting. You know, that, that, that is just wrong. Right. All he knows is what he learned with us working together. He doesn't even like, if I explain to him about traditional costing and how people put costing in the products on the shelf, like he wouldn't even know what the hell I'm talking about. Like it just wouldn't even make any sense to him. But it was, you know, just making things simple. And like when it comes to numbers, like trying to learn the numbers to try to be a consultant, to run, like help any company, like there's a lot to that. But you don't need to know that. You only need to know your numbers, right? You only need to know what's going to work from you, what's going to what's gonna make your life easier. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you break it down in that manner. And I know we're going to definitely dive into this on Tactical Friday, because this is something that I think deserves the granularity that you're bringing to it, where it can be simple. If you know that piece of the pie, right? So Mm -hmm. I I want to encourage everybody come back for Tactical Friday. We're going to bring Jim back to really delve into that piece of his world. Jim, before we let you go for today, what are the ways that people can reach out to you, connect with you? Where can they see some of this content that you're putting out and all the amazing knowledge you have? Yeah. So the simplest thing to do is just to go to pretty easy to remember jimadamsconsulting.com and just go there. There's some, you know, some different resources there. You can reach out to me. You can access some of my content. You can take the, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about in the next segment, the four types of business owners quiz and just really simple. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm really excited to chop it up about the four types of business owners and hear your your different dynamics attached to it. Cause it's I think that awareness piece is gonna be really exciting. So I encourage everybody to come back for Tactical Friday, hear more from Jim as we get granular attached to that. And overall, Jim, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. And I appreciate everything you brought to the audience today, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to hang out with you today. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. 
If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.